What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're a coach who is listening to this right now, then I know you want to get better. And Stick and Ball is just for you. With weekly updated videos from some of the greatest baseball and softball coaches in the country, it's an absolute slam dunk no-brainer. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. Today we have on Michael Early, hitting coach for the Texas A&M Aggies. Michael is in his first season as the hitting coach at A&M and arrives in the Brazos Valley after five seasons at Arizona State. Early has built a reputation for developing hitters, with his most notable work being the rise of Spencer Torkelson to the number one pick in the 2020 MLB draft, who went undrafted out of high school. Also in the 2020 draft, four of Early's hitters were selected as Arizona State was the only school in the country to boast five players chosen in the shortened five-round draft. So on today's show, we talk about his transition to College Station, what their player evaluation process for the fall looks like, and he shares with us some video from their fall training sessions. This episode is so good with Michael Early. Michael, welcome to the show. What's up, John? Good to be here, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Enjoying this weather. Uh, I'm sure you are down in College Station. It's it's cooling down a little bit from the 100 temperatures that we've had for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but how are things? I mean, last time we talked, you were at ASU, and and I'd love to hear, you know, I mean, uh, how things are in College Station and uh, how that transition has been. So just, if you don't mind, open up with that. Yeah, it's good, man. It's, uh, you know, transition is always tough. You know, the first week you're, you're trying to figure out where the bathroom's at and and try and try not to make anyone mad, but it's it's been a really sure. smooth transition um, just because the people here in College Station are beyond welcoming. I mean, I can't, I cannot even, I got so many stories of just showing up with a moving truck and a, and a, an alumni coming over and bringing me two extra movers just to help out. So just the transition has been extremely, extremely smooth. So a lot, a lot of great people in college station. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, but uh, last time we talked again, you, you guys were absolutely crushing it on the offensive, uh, side of things. And then, uh, you know, things have, have changed a little bit, uh, with, with that. And, and you made the move to college station. Uh, so I'd love to hear just, uh, again, with, 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 uh, the transition that you had to go through. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's not easy at all. Uh, but working for coach Smith and now working for slosh two of the best guys, uh, in the game for sure. Uh, could you highlight a little bit of that for us? Because I think that it's really neat that you got to work for both of them. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I've gotten lucky just, you know, in my, my career so far, just being able to start off at a place like ASU and now being at A&M. So I'm, I'd say I'm definitely more lucky than a good coach. You know, you just gotta be right, right spot, right time. And, so, you know, working for Coach Smith, I, I owe Coach Smith everything. You know, I, I love that man. He he gave me my opportunity. He coached me as a player. Just he's a he's a friend of mine, more so than a boss. Um, just a great guy. And I'm not sitting here today or, or in this game at all without him. So I can't I can't thank him enough. He's just amazing person. His wife, Jamie, the whole family, like love him to death. So definitely miss him. But because of him and the opportunity he gave me, I'm able to be at a place like Texas A&M and work for coach Schlossnagel, who is, who's an unbelievable, just, I've been with him now for, you know, probably five weeks on the field. And <clears throat> the fact, I mean, his ability to communicate and just overall feel is off the charts. Like his, his feel and communication with the players is, is unbelievable. And, and that guy, he can coach every position on the field. Like he is a, one of the best, if not the best baseball coach I've ever been around just because he can coach the outfield, pitchers, catchers, infield with no problem, complete confidence, complete feel, able to communicate. Like he is, I mean, he went to Omaha five times in 10 years. Like I don't think that happens by mistake. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you knew he was good, but just getting to be, I've learned so much in just a short time. And I'm just, sometimes I'm just silent because I'm just a, absorbing as much as I can and, and trying to write stuff down. So he's, he is, I think, in a, you know, in a, a league, a league of his own with just probably a few other people. So it's, it's really nice to be able to work with him every single day. 
Oh, that's wonderful. And it seems like, you know, the the players that you guys have, I'm sure you would say we we love having the players, but players are really blessed to be able to have you guys as as a staff. I mean, you're talking about some of the who's who in the coaching world, which is really, really cool. And and I mean, it's just I, I know you don't get to uh, get to see really the pitching side a whole lot. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming unless you're competing against each other, but even you know, having having guys like that around. And then, you know, we, we talked about Chuck Box earlier, who is a very successful high school coach who does a little bit of everything. I mean, it's it's from from the outside looking in. It just seems like you guys may have the best college staff in all of college baseball. Well, those guys are I'm just, I'm trying like I told you earlier, I'm just trying to hold up my end. So but they, they, <laughs> they make they make you they make you bring it every day. I mean, Coach Yeski, resume mm-hmm. speaks for himself and just another unbelievable guy like put is put his arm around me since I've been here. Just, you know, we had some Pac-12 ties and then sure. Nolan Kane. I've, I've never seen anyone so organized and on top of his stuff as, with the recruiting and very, very good with the catchers. Our ops guy, Jason Hutchins, has been here forever. We'd be drowning without him. He, mm-hmm. He's not just an operations guy. Like, he he knows a ton about baseball. I mean, played for a long time. Chuck Box, Will Fox, good rhyme there. But just a lot of great people <laughs> who I just think take – I don't know if, you know – I think we're a good staff just because I think people just take pride in what they do and everyone enjoys being here and everyone, I think when you got guys that are around you that are, you feel like are really good, like you don't ever want to slip up. So it's, um, it's, it's good. It's tough. Like you have to, you have to bring it every day, but everyone, everyone's great and everyone shares information and advice and it's, it's really cohesive so far. You know, we've only played one game together, so things will change. But um, right now the vibe is, the vibe is great. I couldn't ask for anything better. I love that. So one of the other things before we really get into the meat of the show, I know you got to spend uh, some time. Well, number one, you guys had an unbelievable offense with some unbelievable players uh, whenever you were at Arizona State. And with that, I mean, with being in Phoenix, uh, you get the opportunity to work with, you know, different guys from around the baseball world. And, you know, one of those uh, being Nolan Arenado. And so you've got Spencer Torkelson, you've got Nolan Arenado. I mean, you've got Hunter Bishop. Uh, among the laundry list of guys uh, that you you've been blessed to work with, who have been blessed to work with you, but I just want to know, like, compare Nolan to uh, just you know working with him. What w- what was that like? And for uh, those curious, how a big leaguer trains? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that experience was like and what you learned from it? Well, first off, the first two years Nolan came and hit at ASU, I didn't say a word to him except good job. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure he wasn't coming to work with me. He was just coming to work there. And we, we actually had become pretty good friends. And then just over the last year, I, I've got the chance to actually work with him two or three times. And and working with him is a lot of <laughs> you're just telling him good job because whatever you ask him to do or tell him to do, he he does it immediately. But the 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 cool part is is just seeing it for him, like how obsessed he is with, with his craft. Like it is, it's unbelievable. I mean, the most fun thing I've got to do with him is actually hitting ground balls where I definitely don't say anything. And, um, and that how he attacks and goes about his business is unbelievable. But the, the difference in working with him and like a college guy, besides the fact that he's just a lot better than them right now is, is not, is not any different. I mean, he, he wants to be, when you're talking with him, he just wants to know the truth and he wants to know what it is. Like there's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no, there's nothing different besides the fact that he has a little more aptitude. He has way better ability to make adjustments and just the consistency level. But other than that, you know, working with, you know, some of the pro guys I've worked with or, or Nolan or some of the younger guys, it's a lot of the same. It's just trying not to complicate the game. So you know, working with him, he, he likes to keep it very, very simple. I mean, extremely old school in his thought process and approach. And he's just his aptitude and his work ethic or that that is the difference. Like I've only had one other guy, I think, that works like him. And, and that that guy was the first overall pick. So just that the energy they bring, you know, when they train is, I think, half the battle. Sure, no doubt. And, I, you know, I, I truly think the the more that I – study high performers, I think, you know, you have to be truly passionate and obsessed with what you're doing. And I, I mean, I, I don't know that you can train that. And I know that there's some guys, I think that that's the it factor of I'm obsessed. Like this is, I'm not going to stop until 
I reach my ceiling. And, you know, you, you listen to guys like that and, and hear stories like that. And I'm like, man, that, like they truly love what they're doing, but they're obsessed with the continuous improvement and getting 1% better every single day. And I, and I love hearing yeah, and, and a guy like Nolan doesn't need anyone to tell him how to hit. And like I said, our conversations are usually pretty brief, and I, it's usually just my privilege to be able to be there with him. But uh, I know I know we're talking about hitting, but I, hitting that guy ground balls is the most fun thing to do ever on a baseball field because <laughs> it just goes back to how he approaches everything. And you know, I've got to do it two or three times, and it is it's something to see. It's something to see for sure. You know, and the funny thing about that is is he was not a glove first guy i don't think like you listen you look at his prospect reports and it, he's really had to work on his body i mean because he was kind of a chubby kid and you see that now and it's like man you like he had to work he probably had some natural gifts i'm sure he did i'm but. guessing someone told him that somewhere and just knowing him in the brief time i've known him if he couldn't feel it probably drove him crazy and he, he figured it out <laughs> in two days so that's awesome that's uh that's that. him no and i i um Quick story, and not not that I, not that I've gotten a ton of experiences with him, but I, you know, whenever uh, the new stadium in uh, the new Ranger Stadium was opened up, they opened it up for staff, and so we got to we were the only ones there because it was in the COVID year, and watching him at third base, he is the most active player I've ever seen. He's literally taking like fifteen to twenty steps in between pitches, and he's just literally talking the whole time. And I, I had to take video of it because I'm like, I've never seen a player that is more locked into every single pitch. And he would like prep step and go. And then the rest of the time, he'd just be talking and literally like walking. I, he probably got 10,000 steps just from walking around <laughs> third base. It was crazy to watch. Yeah, he's uh, he's just that's I mean, like I said, in the, in the brief time knowing him and just getting the chance to become you know friends with him. He's he's just a worker like there's. He, I don't, I can't imagine anyone else in the league working harder. Maybe some guys work just as hard, but from the, the, my brief time with him and just, you know, it's, it's different and it's awesome. Like sure. I, I wish you could do a 30 for 30 or something and like follow him around just because he's, he's obsessed with what he does. And when people are obsessed in anything and what they do, it just, it's something I'm interested in, whether it's baseball yeah. or chess, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. anyone who pours that much into, <clears throat> into what they do, I mean, it's cool. So no doubt. So I, I, I want to know, so we've got you, you guys built the offense. I say you, but I'm sure you and your staff and you'd give credit to them a ton and, and the players as well, but you get to a point to where now we've got all of these things in place that we enjoy doing that we think that works. And it's a system that worked for the Sun Devils. And now you transition uh, to college station and we're right in the middle of it right now because you guys and thank you for taking some time this week to be able to do so. But you guys are right in the middle of fall practices. And so this has been up to this point, you've had like evaluations, you've gotten to know the players a little bit, uh, and you're really starting with a blank slate with a brand new staff, uh, all new players to you. And so I'd love to hear you know, what, what has been your process of trying to decide, you know, what, the, who these players are, what they need to work on, what's going to work here based on the players that we have. And, and I know we could spend an entire hour over that, right. I'm sure, but I'd, I'd love to hear just what you've been able to do so far and, and what your process has been like. Yeah. So def, definitely new for me on that aspect, just because when I was at Arizona state, I became the hitting coach after my first year, but I still knew a lot of the guys on the team. So just coming in fresh was, was definitely different and it took a lot of time just having a lot of individual conversations with with the players and and watching their video on synergy and but also at the same time giving giving them a clean slate as well like the new staff change and and you know you don't want to judge them on the past you want you want to judge them now so it's it has definitely been different for me especially coming in we have 20 20 hitters starting out and then that's a lot of different guys and and it's a lot of time to spend with them. But I mean, I think communication, like I said, Coach Sloss does an unbelievable job of, and I've learned a lot. I feel like that's always been my biggest strength is the strength is the communication piece. And, you know, learning how he communicates has is, is helped me out a ton. So uh, it sounds simple communication, but that's everything when it comes, when you come from somewhere new, you don't know anybody and, and you're talking about hitting, like, which can be, a very sensitive topic. And I think the first day we started off our first day of workouts, we didn't work out. All we did was communicate about what we were going to do. And that 
that put us ahead a few days just instead of trying to figure it out on the fly. So we kind of broke down how we were going to do things. I articulated to them that don't mistake me not talking to you for the first two or three days is me not coaching. I just, we can't just dive into this thing and start changing stuff. I want to let you guys go and kind of show me what you can do and, and tell me the stuff you like, the stuff you don't like and, and kind of let it happen organically. And now I think we're in week five or six and it's to the point now where I love when it goes like this. I can't explain how it does, but you know, I, I get in there a few hours before practice every day and you don't even have to speak in which drill each guy starts out with or what drill he transitions to. Maybe you add some here or there, but it, it just, it really flows in. And that, that's the cool part. It's at ASU. I, I was playing on easy the last couple of years, just because I had, I was there for a few years and I had the same guys for a few years and I, I just have to, teach, you know, one or two guys every year and having to teach 20 guys, just kind of how I like to do things in the cage mixed with how they like to do things was tough, but now that it's rolling, it's, it's all worth it. No, I love that. So what is, what does the fall consist of uh, from a, from a team aspect and, you know, what, what have you really chosen to focus on with this group? You mentioned communication, but just from the you know the offensive side of things, what is important this type of this time of year for you guys? You know, we're really hammering on uh, plate discipline, pitch recognition, and routine. Um, you know, taking their breaths, things like that. A lot of stuff that's not. I think my light just went out. There we go. Got a sensor in here. Sorry. Um, a lot of stuff that is not really about the swing which there's a ton of that going on in the cage. Don't get me wrong, but getting them to a point, you know, mentally where it doesn't matter if we're here or in front of 10,000 people in Baton Rouge or wherever, you know, having that consistency in your, your day to day and what you do. And then back to just the plate discipline part, um, which has become a huge piece for me here now. And it, it always was, but, uh, coach Sloss is he, he really hammers it. Like if you swing at a ball, he lets you know, so, I mean, it's as simple as swing to strikes, take the balls and just really, really enforcing that on every rep, especially the high speed stuff on the field and in game. And, and honestly, all the way down to front toss, like we got guys that take more flips than I've ever seen, hmm. but if they're not strikes, they don't swing. And to the point now where some guys I'm even flipping balls on occasion, just so it's not complete swing mode and you have, really seen that translate on the field and it's it's good like if you just really enforce it like you make it important it it um guys get really good at it really fast and just learning to control the zone and, and making it something a really big part of our game because the goal is you know to get on base and the simplest form of baseball is get a pitch your pitch you can hit and, and don't swing at the ones you can't and try not to overcomplicate it no doubt no doubt. And that's, that's, you know, old wisdom that is, is still true. So I love it. Well, I've got some different things that you guys are doing this fall and you sent me over some, some different training videos. And so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share the screen. So for those listening on audio, we'll do our best to be able to, uh, to translate that, but you guys can find this on uh, stick and ball TV. But this, this first thing is just a sequence that, uh, that you sent me. And so I'd love to see, you know, what, what are we looking at here with the five different pictures and uh, really set the foundation for, for the eye that we should be looking through. Like what, what are your pillars and then what tech, like what are a few things that whenever we notice these videos, what, what should we be looking for? Yeah. So this, just in general, this is, we're tr trying to create one for every player just on now, to be able to create one, we have to have something to create it off of. So this kid in a simula simulated game hit a line drive to center field for a home run about 430 feet. So uh, a swing, I mean, what do coaches say all the time, like drive the ball to the middle of the field, drive the ball to the middle of the field. This was about as perfect as it can get for this guy in particular. So something he wanted to capture, something for him to be able to look at every day. So just in general, he can go back. And he has the video, too. Um, some guys like video, some guys, I mean, this is visual video is visual, but this is a little different. He, he can, he can see a setup where, you know, these guys look in the mirror every single day with their bats. He can see a setup. He can kind of see where he went with his load. Um, he's done a good job for this guy. When he came in here, he had way too much of a back shift 
I got on the outside of his knee. You can see in this, he stays stacked. It's almost, you know, his starting point when he gets to where he goes to launch is about the same. So like where he starts and when he loads and goes, he's about the same as when he started. It makes him a little more adjustable. And, and the big thing is, you know, that left front shoulder is staying tight. It's staying tight there in that fourth frame. Like it's not flying open too early. And when he, you know, he could have a, maybe a little more separation with his legs. Maybe it's the picture. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's really a, the biggest thing, it's a confidence thing for the players. Like he can go back and slow it down and just look at it. And heck, maybe it just makes him feel good that day because he, he can see it every day in his locker or wherever he has it. Um, but really it's just trying to capture a guy's perfect swing when they take it and then putting it in front of their face as many times as possible just for the, the, the mental side of it. But just from a mechanics standpoint, he here, I mean, it's about as good as it gets. Maybe maybe slight little more separation, but I mean this kid is this kid's six five with long levers, so he can he can do stuff a little bit differently that, than most people, and that's the thing too. Like individualization is is really big with me, so it's mm -hmm. you know not everyone's the same, not everything's going to be the same, and you know the object is hit the ball hard, and some guys do it differently, but let's let's get each guy to be as efficient in they as efficient as they can in their style of hitting. And, you know, okay. this kid in particular has done a really good job so far this fall. I love it. So you guys use uh, mirrors quite a bit? Um, we don't have them in the cage per se, but if you walk in the locker room or you go in to wash your hands or anything, if you go in their space, you, you, inevitably, you inevitably see guys in mirrors. It's When I was a player, if I ever caught myself in front of one, I'd, I'd be there for a long time. But um, I, think, I think mirrors are good. I think they're good. Um, if, if, if the right person is doing it and they know what they're doing in front of it and know what to look for. But I mean, I think there's nothing better than video. So no doubt. I think, you know, to, to echo your point there, do you use video delay at all? The video delay app? What is that? So it, what, <laughs> this is kind of dangerous, but you have, we have an iPad that we use for like side view and to get guys to slow down just a little bit, you set it on so it, it videos it, but it's on a it's on a you could I set it for about a three to four second delay. Yeah. And so team practices, not usually, but if we're doing, you know, one on one individual work, uh, it, it's it's really good. And it'll 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 record their swing, but it's on a delay. So it'll, they'll be able to to finish and then look over and just see what they're what you're looking at. Oh, and wow. so it's almost like a mirror, but. I mean, mirrors are really expensive, and this is a seven dollar app. <laughs> but I'll but check it, that uh, out. I wrote it down. Video delay app. Yeah, vid delay, I think, is what it's called. Vid but delay. it's okay. it's really good, and it's gotten some. You know, some guys, and we we talked about this off the mic, uh, do cardio swings, and so it's it's allowed them to take five seconds in between swings to look at what they're doing and then to yeah. see, you know, what the difference is and whatnot, and then take a breath and then. Instead of like swing, 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 cardio swings for sure. I was a big, big cardio swing guy. It didn't, it didn't work too good. So, yeah. <laughs> so this next video that I've got here, I man, I I love this one. So I I call this one the line drill. Uh, but you've actually got it with a net. So you've got this player, or I guess you could call this the net drill too. I'm sure. Uh, you've got this player backed up. Their butt is almost against the net, and you're flipping balls over a plate. Uh, and just walk us through this one a little bit. Yeah, so I don't know why I called this the hallway one. I don't know okay. why. Just kind of looks like there's a hallway, but it, it's it's a couple different things. So one, that's Coach Kane there. What we're trying to do here is flip the ball right underneath their hands. Okay. And, and all we're trying to do is you don't think about anything mechanical at all. It's a um, what I call like it's a result drill. So it's like we're gonna flip the ball here, hit it as hard as you can through this hallway or through this window, mm -hmm. whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. When they do that, it takes the thinking out of it. And we're just, we're just trying to get that hand path to stay, like you said, on the line. Like we want to stay on that line as hard as we can. Now in, in a game, ideally, maybe you pull this pitch in the gap, but sure. you know, we're in the cage and we're flipping the ball 28 miles an hour. And, and no one's going to be mad about it in the game if you get inside pitch and stay inside it and, and stay in the big middle, as we call it. So mm -hmm. it, it's just a way of, of doing a drill correctly, but not thinking about the mechanical aspect. It's like hit this ball sure. right here. You can't physically hit it through that window if you pull off and hit the net, mm 
or if you cast your hands a little bit, you, you can't do it. So it's a way mm -hmm. to make guys mechanically correct with just saying like, hey, we're flipping the ball here. You hit it there. It's important to drive the ball through there instead of, you know, kind of manipulating it. And it, it's and that was a big drill I did last year with a kid at ASU, Sean McLean, who, who had a big year. He really liked that. And a kid named Hunter Haas. Like those are the first guys I ever did it with. And then a, a few guys here really like it too. I think it really helps. I'm big on, you know, finishing above that front shoulder on inside pitches and not mm -hmm. underneath. I think you got to be really, really strong to, you know, backspin balls and do it that way. Some guys can, um, sure. but for the most part, guys can't. So what that drill does is help you really stay inside that pitch and get your finish. And, and Bregman called it the flashlights, you know, keeping them on the wall, oh, yeah, yeah. keeping them on the wall as long as you can. It, it's really, I think that video, I, I saw that I didn't make this up. I promise you, I didn't make this up. I saw it somewhere, maybe a different form of it. Um, I'm trying to think is there's a guy in Arizona, uh, Arizona base. Maybe it was him, somebody. I mean, no one makes up their own drills. If, if right. you make up, if yeah, you make up awesome. your own drill, it's pretty probably, it's probably something crazy, but mm -hmm. no, it's just, it's a way to be mechanically sound, extremely simple. It's just like, Here's the ball. Hit it here. Now, hey, look at yourself. Oh, wow, that's great. Now try to recreate that feel in the game. So this would be for guys who kind of get east and west with their Yes, frame. yes, exactly. They don't, they don't get forward. They get around the ball. Uh, big, like, front shoulder pull-off guys, like mm -hmm. guys who can't keep that thing in there just long enough, and this just cleans up the hand path. Like, it's a, the most natural way for the hands to move, in my opinion. Cool. I love it. So this next one – let me see. We've got a pool noodle that is about a foot in front of this player's front foot. This pool noodle is vertical. It looks like a like a very large tee that is about, I don't know, three, three and a half feet tall. And then you are flipping, uh, flipping this guy. He's he's not not against the net, this one. But tell us a little yeah. bit about what, what's going on with this one. So when you do the one on the front, um, it's a little more visual than what it actually does. But at the same time, see <laughs> – that noodle's a little short because he, he's broken about three or four of them, but he's working on hitting a pitch, hitting a pitch to right center. His issue has been, and, and we do it two different ways, but when he, when he sees that lane there, if he keeps his hands and he steers them the right way, he never hits that noodle. Mm -hmm. If he pulls off and kind of pulls the outside pitch, what we don't want him to do, he clips it. So it's definitely more of a visual for him, like staying in a tunnel here, not flying open early, staying on the baseball away, driving it to center or right center. Um, mm -hmm. Cause his, his, this kid's arms are so long and he's so strong. Yeah, he's that he, really he can, he, he can take pitches on the outer half and hit him out down the left field line, which, which he'll definitely do on off speed pitches this season. But you know, when you're doing cage work, you want to try to be, you want to try to be perfect. You want to try mm -hmm. to, when you're flipping a ball 30 miles an hour, you want to try to be perfect in everything you do. And that, and that visual for him is just like, okay, I can't go there. You know what I mean? I can't do that. Like the ball's middle away. I have to stay on it when he stays on it and does it perfect. Like his battle just barely touched the top of that thing. When mm -hmm. he gets a little around it, casts his hands out, gets a little around it, he'll drill it. And good thing. It's a, a dollar pool noodle instead of a $140 tee, which I've, I've done before and I had to <laughs> ruin my, ruin my whole lesson with a kid. So <laughs> you only make that mistake once. Yeah. Only once. All right. So this next one, we've got pool noodle here. Uh, but this one is on the outer half of the plate. So you're taking this, this noodle that's, it looks like it's on cardboard, which I think is, is awesome craftsmanship. Uh, but it's, it's covering up about the outer half of the plate and the, and the noodle is on the outer third so a little bit different placement here. It looks like the same kid, but tell us what this yeah. one is about. So this is really similar to what the hallway drill, like same concept, um, just a little bit different. Again, this guy's issue has been kind of coming out and around the baseball. So just different ways to enforce him staying tight to his body and, and getting his finish up. And, and we do it on this side just for him to pull the ball correctly. So he's, I try to, and I get really close to that thing. Like I try to get as close as I can just so he, how long can he keep his barrel behind his hands before he goes to finish? And like I said, we've broken two or three of them, but who cares? It's like, I, I really try to get maybe an inch or two away from that thing just to challenge him. Like how long can I stay in that position, you know, before I come out? So it's, mm -hmm. 
like again, I saw we've seen that drill before. I think Robinson Cano, I think was the first mm-hmm. guy I ever saw do it with an L screen, and you've seen guys do it in many different ways. Again, I, I saw someone on Twitter probably they were like just throw a pool noodle over an old tee. I found these are like little metal poles. I think were used mm-hmm. for Adidas display. I stole out of the closet and had. Hutch grab us a couple pool noodles and I think they thought I was crazy but once they saw the drill they're like okay that's pretty nothing odd nothing we don't do anything you know anything wild so mm-hmm. no um, but guy, there's a few guys really like that drill and it's something I've I haven't done until until here really so I I noticed is this so you've got two plates is this two mats sitting next to each other or are these actually no that's uh, two mats really yeah lines? Two mats. So we do a lot of two plate stuff. Um, I don't. Okay. Think, I'm not sure. I sent you any two plate drill. Just any anything we can do to disrupt timing or change timing when we're doing harder stuff. So sometimes we'll just have a fastball and you start on the back plate mm-hmm. for two or three, front plate for two or three. Usually it's two. So you go two on the back plate. Those are just kind of to get you going. You go mm-hmm. to the front plate. You know the velo is obviously going to be harder. Like that mm-hmm. first swing, like. Let's try not to miss that first one. You know what I mean? Like, cause sure. that's game like. And now the most important one to me is when you come back to the back plate, that first one, it's definitely the goal on that one is eliminate a pull side ground ball. Like, mm-hmm. because the speed's going to be slower. I don't care if you pull it. Let's just pull a low liner or stay on it. Not a fly ball, not a ground ball. And it's okay to pull it. And it's kind of just simulating that where you get out in front and you just keep going a little bit, carry your bat speed, carry your hands with you instead of just giving in to the pole side grounder, which it's usually an out. We've uh, <laughs> we've done that a lot with like oppo oppo curveballs machine. And yeah. it's like, all right, so the goal is not to hit a ground ball to shortstop for righties. And we got lefty curveball. Inevitably, like the first six <laughs> swings, there's like pull side ground balls. I'm like, son, I was like, okay. So how does this get you out? And they're like, swing and miss. Okay, cool. Like swing at balls, whatever. And we get out in front and we pull it on the ground. It's like, okay, let's not do either of those things. And yeah. It's like, okay, well, that we tried. So we're, we're going to continue to try and get better with that. Oh, man, good times. Uh, I also like the, the two or the three plate, not just for, you may not have this problem, but I know in the amateur baseball, we have guys that will throw 90 plus, and then we'll, have, we'll see guys that throw like 72 and they'll be like, oh, you know, he's, he's throwing too slow. And so I was like, okay, well, we've got to adjust to that too. Like that's a big a big difference. But you may not see that huge of a gap, but you'll see, I'm sure, some some thummers who throw right. 81. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. and you got to hit those guys too. Yeah. You inevitably see a lefty on a Sunday from somewhere, and, mm. and they, they're, they're slow and they're funky, and it looks like on video you're going to touch them up and then they come out there and you're in the third inning and you have no hits and you're, <laughs> you're doing what I like to say before every meeting, like, Hey, let's stick to the plan and, and avoid the the third inning hitters meeting. So, mm. <laughs> you good. know, Trace, when Trace, you get a little impatient if we, you know, just started off wrong and he was completely right. He'd say, get them together and go back over what we're doing. So, <laughs> I, whenever we sure. face a guy like that, like let's stick with what we're doing. You guys have worked on this and let's at all costs avoid that third inning hitters meeting. Cause none of mm. us like that. So no doubt, no doubt. All right. So this next one we've got, it looks like you've got some sort of L shaped device here. It's yeah, right that's in a, front. Go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, explain it no, me. no. I mean, it's, it's multi-purpose. So that that's just a hitting L like you, you put on the line and you put your toes on it. It's just, I'm huge on direction. Like I don't like guys mm-hmm. striding across their body or, Everything to me is directional forward to the middle. Like I'm big direction guy. And this guy's not using it for that. He's actually using it to, I, I got this from a, a Doug Lotta. Doug's out in, out in California. I actually got a, I played with his, his, um, his nephew, Toby DeMello's at Arizona. And then mm-hmm. actually got to go meet Doug. Great, great guy. Great guy. And I got this from one of Doug's videos and he just has a guy step over the board. And what he's trying to do is, eliminate the back shift for one because this kid has had an issue with getting stuck on his backside too much big strong guy but also being able to work forward carry his hands with him not reach mm-hmm. for power and just kind of flow through it without pulling off the baseball and in sure. and, and i added an element to it, doing it from the offset open side mm-hmm. just to give him a little more feel on it give him a little more success and mm-hmm. he's he's gotten a lot i mean he was a he's just a 
he's getting stuck on his backside. His base is sit and spin and just trying to get him off it a little bit, get him more 50-50, carry his hands with him. And, you know, he's not quite there yet, but he's getting really, really close. So mm-hmm. it's um, – and, and I got that from – I saw on one of Doug's videos and then and talked to him about it when me and my boy Caleb got to go got to go meet him. So mm-hmm. he's – you know, I like to take, I take stuff from everyone. I don't think, I don't, sure. I'm not sure I have an original drill in my body. So it's just stealing, stealing from other people and communicating well on it and, and executing it and find stuff that you think works. No doubt. Love that. So you've got off angle, which would be like right field, uh, right field side, almost like second base angle. And then this next one, we are more of like shortstop angle and, uh, Tell us a little bit about the the technique behind this one, or, or the what's what's the takeaway with this drill here? It's it's all they're all all the takeaways are, are are the same with my philosophy. It's just doing it in different ways and have it's all about body position. So you, to do this drill correctly, you have to stay on that line. You mm-hmm. have to you have to be tight to the body with your hands. You have to keep your shoulders square as long as possible. And with this one, we're going every other. So you'll see he goes. Mm-hmm. He goes oppo to pull, oppo mm-hmm. to pull. And when he pulls, it's pulled correctly with loft and backspin. So sure. real big on trajectory of where you hit pitches in the cage. And I think you'll see on one of them, he hit on the oppo one, that one, he hits the net. So then we go back to oppo and you stay on that one until you do it correctly. So then he gets to go now back to pull side. And, and for me, if you're a right-handed hitter, it's almost like a line trajectory wise, like in the cage, like right down the right field line, you should be low. And as you go mm-hmm. around the field that it, I know I'm getting off the screen here, but you get what I'm saying. You should go from sure. as low as you can on the right field line to as high as you can down the left field line and just okay. the trajectory of the swing. And to me that trains what I like to call the correct finish. Mm-hmm. And, and Torkelson was the only guy you could actually, I mean, he was just, It'd be like torque on the right center pitch. Make sure you finish. You're going to be a little lower left mm-hmm. center. It's going to carry and be a little higher. And mm-hmm. it, he, he, he was just different. Like you, right. you could literally tell him to do that. And he could, you sound like a bad hitting coach, honestly saying that you did that, but you haven't <laughs> got the chance to work with that guy. It's like, it's like playing a video game with a guy on 99. Like you could mm-hmm. with, with most guys though, it's just about how you train it. Like you can't say that. So it's like, hey, we're going to be low in this sense. It's in the cage. As we carry to the pull side, we want to get a little higher. And mm-hmm. and in the end, a low line drive is the best thing you can do in the cage. Like, sure. We had a, we had a saying at ASU, and it hasn't picked up here yet, but just off the top. Try to stay off the top of the cage, drive it to the back net. I mean, I made up a lie that cages were designed like this for a reason. I don't know if it's true. Sounds good. And and guys kind of bought into it. So just with this drill, we're obviously over. So he's shooting that window here. And then the pitch comes inside. He's not doing anything different. He's just mm-hmm. catching the ball a little sooner and getting his finish up. And it's about mm-hmm. out in, out in, perfect body position, adding some difficulty to a, you know, a, a flip. You can stand in front of a guy and flip. I have an eight-year-old who can hit drive the back net every single time. So let's, let's challenge him a little bit more. And, and this kid does this drill every day and he, he's seen a lot of success. Like he's going right center gap. He's going to get a double down the line our last game. So it's, um, you know, when you do slow down stuff as much challenge as you can add is great. Okay. So this is our next one. And I think this is the last one that you're doing flips. Then we'll, we'll move to the machine here, yeah. but you are standing on the oppo corner. So for, for this left-handed hitter, yeah. you are standing at about this the shortstop line, and you've got two uh, foam. Uh, it looks like foam balls in your hand. Those Walk are uh, j- jugs, jugs, light flight balls. For anyone who okay. wants to know, they're really good. Yeah. And those are Trey, um, Trey Hanneman's. I think I'm saying his last name wrong. He's going to kill me just because I'm on the spot. But he <laughs> he makes the he makes the half bat, and Trey's a really good follow yeah. on Twitter. But he. Uh, and this is again, again, back to a lot of what I teach and preach. It's about staying close with that front side and, you know, palm up, palm down type of deal and, and staying on the baseball. This guy had a little bit of an issue with spinning off with his front side. And as you'll see in one of them too, it's kind of a two part drill controlling his toe tap. So the second one, I kind of pause and, and I made him watch, even though he's not built like him at all, 
my favorite toe tap of all time is Prince Fielder. Like mm. he, he taps, controls, and waits. So in a lot of his flips, he doesn't know. I'll go to flip or if I'm doing overhand and I'll just stop and he'll just be there. Mm-hmm. And then I go and he goes instead of he had his big he tap and go, tap and go. Mm-hmm. So you see on the second one, I kind of hold it. He holds sure. it in rhythm and keeps going. But these half bats are, are I'm not real big into gadgets or gimmicks. And I don't think this is that at all. Like this is one of the, the best things I've ever used. I think even if you don't have the issue, like who doesn't want to be flat in the zone? Like mm-hmm. it makes you keep your bat in the zone as long as possible. And those balls make a really distinct sound where if you don't do it correctly, it, you, you can hear it. So I, I love those. I love that bat. And I think, I think just that drill is you can do it from the front. I've done it out of a jugs. I've done, you can put those balls in a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it out of that before. So um, those bats and that that's just a really good drill. I think anyone can do heck. You could do it in your living room with those balls. So. <laughs> no doubt. So now we're moving to a little bit more of a stressful environment here. You've got, uh, the two, looks like two big hacks, one with extended legs behind one with, that's a little bit shorter. You guys are on field. What do you got right. with this one? Uh, this is just what I like to call a tunneling drill where, where you know what's coming. So on the top machine, I think we have it set at about, I think it's about 84 miles an hour with a 2,400 spin rate. So okay. You got it. We have a spin rate gun. I know some people don't, but big mistake I made first starting out was like, Hey, hit off this machine. It's hard. It'll make you better. Not checking the spin rate. Sometimes those things shoot it just a ridiculous. And it's not something the players ever hear. I don't ever talk to them about spin rate, but, and then on the bottom one, you have a braking pitch. That's about 15 or 16 mile an hour slower and 84 out of a machine. If you don't know, like that, that plays really hard just because that instance of going through the hole, and they got two on the fastball, two on the breaker, one on the fastball. And, and it's really just about about making adjustments. And can you be successful when you know what's coming? Because obviously in a game, you know, we don't know what's coming. So when we make it challenging and you know what's coming, can you be successful? Now this fastball is set up away, breaking ball set up middle. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of moves here and there. But the idea is to drive the fastball to the right center gap. Uh, stay on the fastball timing, even when you have the breaking ball, keep your bat speed up and hammer it to the pull side gap. If you recognize the pitch early and hit an oppo, awesome. Not telling anyone to go up there and try to yank breaking pitches, but it's it's the fact when you, you see a really good pitcher and you can't dictate or you can't read it early enough, do you keep your bat speed up and go to pull side? And I don't know if you have audio on this or not. There's a good swing right there. The pitch, the pitch before that, going back to, you know, pitch recognition, he goes, he takes it. The second to last pitch he takes and he goes, what was that? A seven? And like, yeah, that's a seven. And that that's part of, and I actually have it right here. If you can see, but we train, you, you, everyone's heard of the, the mm-hmm. seven ball drill, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't to throw this around, but I love that. It's some, something we use from front toss to BP to this. I mean, it's not out there, but like, this is a full speed environment, stressful environment, as you called it. And this kid's in there on his last swing and he goes, Wham, is that a seven? I'm like, yeah, that's a yeah, seven. I love that. Like, yeah. and this it's, one? yeah. And he looks back and that's he goes, great. is that a seven? And you know what? I, honestly, I don't know if it was, but heck, I like how it made him feel and what he thought. I'm like, yeah, that's a seven, dude. But no, it was. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's how we train. Like every pitch is important. Swing at strikes, take balls. He had just swung at five pitches in a row. And when one was out of the zone, right out of the zone on a seven, he took it. Like mm-hmm. that was a, that was the best rep of the whole the whole video. Not the home yeah. run, not the breaking ball home run. It was the he had just swung at five pitches and he went, boom. Is that a seven? Yeah, that's a seven. Like that's plate discipline, you know, pitch recognition, swing at strikes and take the balls. Sure. One of the, you know, one thing that I, I want to add before we, we go to your last video here is adding that into like, let's for, for us, for instance, we've got, you know, 50, almost 60 guys and inevitably there's a couple of cages that they're going to be doing flips and especially, so you're thinking in season with, when you've got two JV coaches, one of them's with pitchers, one of them's throwing BP, how do you hold kids accountable? This would be one of those ways to be able to do that of the seven ball drill and 
one thing that in and after after every or you have them hunt three balls or you can right. have them uh you can have them just say which one it was after they hit and then we added a a height letter a ladder with letters on it too so on the, on the side mm-hmm yeah. yeah. After every one that they swing, they'll go. That was H, and that was seven, which is like ball low and way out, right? right. Or and just to give them some some different feedback. But like you said, it develops that common language of, "Hey, that was a seven. That wasn't. Hey, that was a ball away. Well, a ball yeah. away could be you know twenty seven inches wide, right? Right. Right. So it, it pinpoints it a little bit. I know some people use zones, but I, I love the that system. I think that's fantastic. You know, I never used it, and it was Coach Sloss's thing. And um, man, I love it. Like, I it's just it's so simple, so elementary, and just goes back to I think why I'm you know me and him have easy working for him because like I'm unapologetically simple with the players. Like the things I do outside the scenes, getting the spin rates right, looking at zones, just looking at crazy stuff, but making it as elementary as possible. Like how much simpler does it get than that? No doubt. And and you can take something simple into a high pressure situation. It's just way more applicable than, than, you know, I don't know what else there is, but it's, it's been great. And I mean, guys have really taken to it and it, it also helped with the guy. I mean, that same guy it, real quick, but you know, a right-handed hitter, you put the, it goes out from one to seven, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he was back to body position. Any ball that was a three or four, he was getting so leaned over at the hip. He was calling it a two or three or a one or a two. And I'm like, no, no. That's and he's good. like, what? And that's something we were working on. I'm like, dude, like, this is great. Like, think about you're changing how you see the ball. And mm-hmm. and that, it's not designed for like to be a mechanical fix, but it really helped him sure. from the mechanical thing. Cause he was, he would get here and he'd get turned and he had no loft. Like everything was hardened around. He hits the ball so hard. And just it just clean, made him have a cleaner entry, a little better posture, not too – and he would have a little bend at the hip, but he was getting way over the ball where it's changing not only his swing path, but how he saw the baseball. So mm-hmm. it had a, it adds a mechanical element to a mechanical visual style element when, when you use sure. it that way. So it's it's been great. I love it. <laughs> One of my favorites is, hey, where do you like the ball? And I'll be like, oh, I like, I like it in. Okay. So then we put it on, you know, balls one and two, and they're like, "No, you're right. I I, I don't like it, and I like it." Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the last one here. Uh, similar similar uh, look to it. this one is uh, another machine, and this one yeah, is in a cage. Yeah, it's just left handed slider, and <laughs> and I, and you'll see too the the lefty slider is not set up down the middle. Like it's important that it's you know either you know, relative arm slot. Sure. So it's not a lefty slider coming down the middle and breaking away. And this is honestly something that we started doing when I was a player at Indiana and Tracy Smith took with him. I think it's the best drill we do. It's the righties hit off the righty slider and the lefties hit off the lefty slider. Now we do do both where they do the other, but it's not, we're not training to hit a slider here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're training to stay on a challenging pitch, a hard challenging pitch and stay closed and stay on it, stay on the baseball and hit it the other way. If it backs up, which they do great, pull it correctly. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to go to that here, that top left corner, left side without hitting the top and staying on the baseball. And I even had our switch hitters hit off it, but they don't, they don't hit off it from the opposite side. And at first, I think they thought, they're like, I'm like, let me explain to you. Why, they're like, why is it not just a fastball? Well, right. when you add that hump from the slider into it, it adds a body position element to it where you don't come up with the break. You have to stay on the ball. And one of our guys, the switch hitter, absolutely loves it. Like, he does it every single day. And it's like, mm. it's not real. Like, you don't hit off a machine in the game. Like, don't overcomplicate it. But we need you to stay on the baseball from both sides. And you've heard a lot of guys say, like, guys who get pinch hit for left on left. They're like, man, I need to see lefties because it makes me better off of righties. Why? Mm. Because they're more concentrated, staying closed on the baseball. So there's something I've done since I was in college. We did at ASU. Um, we have automatic feeders on these now where guys can hit off them when they want. And, you know, it's, uh, 
hack attack wise, I mean, for our level, we have it. If, if it's a lefty, then the, uh, I think the left one needs to be, no, excuse me. I'm, I'm turned around here. <laughs> it, it's nine, it's nine, three, three. And whatever side you want to break to the opposite, the opposite wheel on the top has to be the harder one. So that's on, that's on nine, three, three. And it, it, guys really like it. Like you have to stay on the baseball or you can't hit it. Like it, it's as simple as that. Like throw mechanics out the window, like stay on a challenging pitch, drive it the other way and you'll have success. So and sure. once we started doing this, guys really, really liked it. So uh, it seems like you guys are really focusing on, well, and you mentioned uh, the plate discipline wise, swinging at strikes and, and taking balls, which I love, but it seems like a lot of stuff that, that has come down to this fall has been path like a bat path for you guys, like staying through baseballs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Coach, uh, okay. coach has a saying like use the big middle, which I've adopted from using with this guys to hitting with my son in the cage, you know, yesterday night, it's like, you can have a lot of success if you try to stay in the middle of the field, and not complicate the game. Like I think when you guys get out there as hitters, you're in the cage and you're like laser, laser, laser. Cause your vision is forced to be right there. And, and, when you get out on the field, I know I felt like this, you get out there and it's like, Whoa, there's so much space. So we really like to, you know, I call them sites or windows, like keying in on certain areas. And I, I know when, when Caleb was on the show, he talked about this, just where's your visual at? Okay. I was off the baseball right here. I need to just shift my sights over a little bit that way. Okay. Bam. I'm good. Or man, I'm still off the ball. Let's shift or, Hey, I'm a little behind let's shift our sights back a little bit and just visually where you're looking um, and, and mixed in with your body position, I think can give you a lot of success and put, putting that, I mean, last year in Arizona state and we'll have here, we literally had windows one and two and in the dugout just for visual purpose, we had our signage on the wall. Like this was, I think it was like center to Jimmy John's is window one and then window two. And it was a way also in, in scouting reports to, you know, kind of have an approach against guys and simplify it. Like, Hey, like this guy early in the count, like you're going to want to be in window one, but if you face him with a runner on second, like being window two, slightly more oppo. And that's not sitting on an off speed pitch. You're still timed up on the fastball, but what it does is it gives yourself more, you know, more plate coverage, more room for air. Yeah. Maybe you're successful to a fastball in, but um, you show me a college pitcher that can just dot fastballs in consistently, then, mm -hmm. you know, we're probably not going to beat you anyway. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.